Turn to uh, Psalm 67, Psalm 67. And I want to speak more, when you talk about missions, um, I I think when I first got saved, um, you know, missions was just the, just that's it. That's what it's all about. Um, And uh, I don't think I surrendered to the ministry until I was uh, in my late 20s. I got saved when I was 19. And so my, probably when I was 29, probably about 10 years later, I surrendered to missions um, to whatever, to wherever God would send me. And uh, went to Bible college and all that, and still God was working. But it was always in my mind, missions. My pastor once told me uh, uh, when I was um, the associate, he said, well, I said, you know, I just don't feel like this is where I need to be. And he said, well, don't worry. He goes, you'll be, so, you'll, you'll, you'll be the senior pastor one day. Don't worry. And I said, I just don't think that's what God wants me to do. And, and it's always been a thrill uh, to be going to missions conferences, to be a part of missions. Um, you know, I do think, honestly, I think we need, I think our churches need missions conferences, missions emphasis times. Because really what it really is, is a time of revival. It revive us, revives us back to what really counts. I know uh, it looks like Pastor Matt is trying to start a legacy militia or something with his activities here. But we're not really about trying to correct the political wrongs here in this country, although we'd love to do that. I mean, if, I, if, if, if the Bible said we were supposed to do that, man, I'd be, I'd be signing up first thing. But I just don't see it, you know. But I do see this call to missions, and um, it's a, uh, it really is. Uh, like I said, a revival time to get our hearts right, to get us back in tune um, to what it's all about. Now, when I say that, we're going to talk, I'm going to sort of sound contradictory, because we're going to talk a little bit theology here, maybe a little philosophy. So let's first um, read this this text here, Psalm 67, uh, verses 1 through 7. It says, God, be merciful unto us. And bless us, cause his face to shine upon us, Selah, that thy way may be known upon earth, thy saving health among all nations. Let the people praise thee, O God, let all the people praise thee. O let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Thou shalt judge the people righteously and govern the the nation upon earth, Selah. Let the people praise thee, O God, let all the people praise thee. Then shall the earth yield her increase, and God Even our own God shall bless us. God shall bless us, and all the ends of the earth shall fear him. Let's go, Lord, in prayer. Lord, we come before you. Thank you, Father, for this um, special time, Lord. It's special for me to be with my friends here, Lord, the Legacy Baptist Church and Brother Mark and and what they're doing here. It's it's always uh, uh, encouraging. It's always always among friends. And, And, God, I just pray you bless them. I pray that you bless this message, Lord, that... Um, it would uh, uh, still our hearts, Lord, uh, to be a, maybe a little bit more grounded and, and firmer in our understanding of what missions is all about. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Worship is what we're seeing here in this psalm. And really, worship is the fuel for missions. And God, the Bible says in, in John chapter 4, verse 24, God seeketh such to worship Him. God's a worshipped creature. 
He's look, God is looking for worship. Um, in Psalm 97, verse 1, it says, The Lord reigneth, let the earth rejoice. In other words, all of God's creation is supposed to be worshiping Him. We know about the, the, uh, the cherubims that are just crying, Holy, holy, holy to the Lord. That's all they do. That's their whole job is to say, Holy, holy, holy to the Lord. And um, the whole host of heaven, all the angels are supposed to be worshiping the Lord. All of God's creatures, all of His creation was made to worship Him. I think um, even uh, as we see, even it looks very figuratively in, in the scriptures when you see talking about the whether it's the, the mountains or the or the rivers or the uh, uh, the, the trees. Uh, but everything God made was for his glory, for his glory. And uh, missions really, like I said, begins with worship. It's the fuel of missions. Psalm 9, verse 1 and 2 says, I will praise thee, O O Lord, with my whole heart. I will show forth all thy marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in thee. I will sing praise to thy name, O thou most high. This is David giving uh, giving praise to the Lord and proclaiming God's goodness and God's uh, mercy and his wonderful works. And, And, you know, honestly, we'll never be able to effectively... Get the message out, proclaim the message of God and salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ, unless we do not have personally, ourselves, this worshipful thankfulness to God of who He is. God is looking for that as the bedrock, as the start of missions. Missions begins with a heart of worship to the Lord. And also, missions ends with worship. Let's look, let's look at that. Let's look at Revelation chapter 6. Revelation chapter 6, verse 9 through 12. It says, And when they had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell? Am I in the right text here? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Our blood on them that dwell on the earth. And white robes are given unto them, unto every one of them. And it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were, should be fulfilled. And I, when I, when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun came back on the sackcloth, and hair, and the moon came as blood. This is not the text. (laughs) I got the wrong reference. Let me read what I got, okay? You can tell me where it is. (laughs) I told you it was going to be different. It says, uh, wherever this is, um, after this, I beheld a great multitude, which no man could number, and all nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne. And about the elders. And 
What is it? Chapter 7? Yes. There we go. Chapter 7, I'm at verse 11. And all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders and four beasts and fell before the throne on their faces and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto God, our God forever and ever. Amen. When you think about it, worship will be what we'll be doing through eternity. What we'll be doing, what we're doing in missions, missions is what we're doing here down here right now. And missions will end one day. But worship will never end. Worship is the, is the bedrock of our missions. It's what, it's, it's really what God is, what God is trying to do is get the whole creation to worship Him. And so as we're sending out missionaries, God is looking for these men and women to get people saved that will bring glory and honor and praise to Him. There's no other higher being than God. There's no other higher order than to give God glory and honor and praise. Our mission commission is to bring God to all, bring God all the glory and honor He deserves. Paul says in Romans chapter 1, verse 5, he says, I'm not sure if that's the text, but I'll read it anyway, God. By whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom you are also called of Jesus Christ. Paul is saying to the, to the Romans that he's proclaiming the gospel as an apostle by the grace of God in obedience to the faith among all nations. And the purpose he's doing is it for God's sake, for his name's sake. And that's why we're doing what we're doing. We do it for God's sake. We do it for God's honor and glory. In Isaiah 40, it says, To whom then will ye liken me, God says, or shall I be equal, saith the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high, and behold, who hath created these things that bringeth out uh, their hosts by number? He calleth them by their name, by all by names, by the greatness of his might, for that he is strong in power. Not one faileth. The Westminster Catechism, which is uh, what the Presbyterians use, the Westminster Confession of Faith, they ask uh, in their catechism, they say, what is the sole duty of man? They say, what is the chief end of man? And their answer is, in the catechism, is the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Which is true, which is right. But think about it. What is the chief end of God? The chief end of God is to enjoy God himself and enjoy himself forever. Now, I know that comes, uh, that strikes us as odd because we think of, uh, you know, being full of selfishness. And it's truly selfishness if it's, if it's us, but in the sense of, it being a wrong thing for God to be selfish, it's not. Because really what it's saying is, in our exaltation or giving honor and glory to a higher being, let's say as, uh, you know, even as Jesus made the uh, analogy about how when you come into a room, you know, you take the lowest seat. And then you, uh, rather than take the high seat, because when someone else who comes above you, they say, oh, you have to move because someone above you is going to take the higher seat. And then you are embarrassed and you take the lower seat again. 
Well, listen, there's nobody higher than God. When He comes in, God is the one who is worthy and deserving of all praise. And He knows it. And He and he's rightfully expects it. And when He gets, uh, or I should say, when we evaluate, when we evaluate who should get credit and worth, and that's actually what the word worship means. It means worth. We say that, well, there's no one that really deserves that higher honor than God. And so when I steal that honor... When I steal that glory from God, that's sin. And God says he as well, he says he will not share his glory with any. It says in Isaiah chapter 48, verse 9, it says, For my name's sake, for my name's sake, I will defer mine anger. And for my praise will I refrain for thee that I cut thee off. He's talking about Israel and Israel's backsliddenness. Behold, I have refined thee. But not with silver. I have chosen thee in the furnace of affliction. For mine own sake, even mine own sake, will I do it. For how should my name be polluted? And I will not give my glory to another. This is, a, this is what the Lord is always doing. He's always working to bring and rearrange even our messes, our failures, our sin. And He, he redirects it all for the purpose of bringing praise and glory back to Him. He chooses us. I'm not going to read the verses, but in Ephesians chapter 1, He chooses us for His glory. He creates us, the Bible says, for His glory. He's chosen Israel for His glory. He didn't cast away Israel because of and for His name's sake. Let's look at this here in John chapter 7. John chapter 7 about Jesus. John chapter 7. John chapter 7, verse 18. This seems so simple. This seems so uh, elementary. Uh, but it's, real, like I said, it's foundational. In verse chapter 7, verse 18, Gospel of John, He that speaketh of himself seeketh his own glory, and he that seeketh his glory that sent him. The same is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. All that Jesus did was for God's glory, and there's no unrighteousness in God seeking glory. Uh, Jesus endured his final hours of suffering for God's glory. And the Bible says our sins are forgiven. Why? For God's glory. Of course, we understand John 3.16, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes Him should not perish but have a lesson. God has given us His Son because He loves His creation. But what's the purpose of His creation? So He can dote over them? He, you know, this is a problem with us because we look at those things that we do love and we elevate those many times, even over ourselves. That happens many times with a, a mother and a child. She'll ele- ele- let that child walk all over her. Um, maybe a husband will let the, his wife do the same to him. Uh, or, or it happens many times. We elevate people even above ourselves. God doesn't do that. He loves us and He stays supreme. To do anything less would be, in God, sin. It would be a lie. God cannot let His glory be trampled on because then God would be lying about who He is. 
The belittling of God's glory really brings judgment. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we know about Ephesians chapter 1, which talks that we all have been partakers of, of uh, being nat- uh, children of wrath and of, the, of the, this wicked nature of stealing the glory of God. And the justice of hell is a clear testimony of the infin- infin- infiniteness of, si- of the sin of failing to glorify God. And I really believe that's exactly what takes place in hell today. The people who feel, feel the in, they think it's unjust for God to claim glory and they wanted to claim glory for themselves. You know, when you think about it, that's sort of what uh, Eve did when she was in the garden. She was trying, she was tempted by the devil uh, and she already was created in the image of God. She had the image of God. In other words, she had a holiness about her. She had a knowledge of righteousness with her. She had this, everything uh, of, of goodness about God was displayed upon her. But that wasn't enough. She wanted to be God. And to be God is stealing God's glory. She wanted to be God. In other words, she wanted to have the glory that only belongs to God. So it's, it's, it's wrong to steal the glory that infinite, that belongs, the infinite glory that belongs only to God. For us, it means God, I'm sorry, we exalt God. And we seek not our own glory. For God, it means He exalts Himself and He seeks His own glory. And uh, this is where we come to missions. It's a critical point of missions. I was speaking this morning about how many times our missions becomes more of a humanitarian love. Humanism. Humanism is taking man and elevating him in the position of God. That's what the United Nations is. Anybody been to the United Nations in New York City? If you've ever been there, if you've ever visited there, you'll see it's all built on... They use some Bible text in there. It's amazing. But it's all just to elevate man. And some of the art they have displayed in there is scary as anything. I mean, it looks like you're walking through a, a Congress of the Devil. I mean, I'm, seriously. I mean, uh, uh, I think it was Russia or, or one of these uh, communist countries donated this big, huge, you know, whatever, 12-foot huge painting of a, like a Superman with a, with a thunderbolt going through him. And it was just the weirdest thing. Another another picture I remember seeing of a, a silhouette of all these dark, dark silhouette of all these people in, a, in like a Congress discussing things. And it just nothing looked holy there. But all it is is really and what the U.N. is uh, and what man is always endeavoring to do is to dethrone God and put themselves in his place. And missions can sometimes fall into that category when we look to the suffering of people. You know, especially today, it's very common for people to, uh, all kinds of churches to get involved in missions programs. But what is a mission program? I, I made an illustration this morning about, I used to uh, coach this little league, uh, well, little league, it was a little uh, soccer uh, um, team for the Salvation Army. We were meeting in the Salvation Army building down in Bloor Street, and uh, 
the, the director there asked if I'd help out. I said, sure, I'll help out. And so we were doing that, and it, uh, <clears throat> there was a, a group of young, young people that came up from the states, and I think they were from Ohio or Wisconsin, um, and they were uh, um, helping out with the coaching and all that stuff. And so we, me and my wife got to talk to him a little bit. We said, oh, wow, you're from the States. So are we. And so we started trying to, you know, what do you know and what do we know and all that stuff. And uh, we said, so what are you doing up here? And they said, well, we're, um, we're on a missions trip. We said, oh. Now, mind you, this isn't an independent fundamental Baptist King James only church, okay? But we were just, we're just helping out the Salvation Army because they're giving us a free place to meet for our church, okay? And I figured it's, it's my duty to do what I can do to help pay the rent. <laughs> But anyway, so we were there, and we asked them, so what are you doing up here? And they said, well, we, we go downtown, and we uh, help uh, make sandwiches for the homeless and uh, some other activities. And also we come here, and we're helping coaching, coaching with the, with the, with the kids. And, and then, so my wife asked, so do you get to share the gospel with the people? And the girl said, what? Share the gospel. And one girl goes, oh, no, 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 no. Thank God. Oh, we don't have to do that. And we were taken aback, like, whoa. I mean, it couldn't be so more blatant. This is a youth group from a Christian church that's going to do mission work, and they have no intention of sharing the gospel with people. You know, down and out people, people, uh, homeless people and stuff. And, you know, that is getting to be in some of our independent fundamental Baptist King James only churches as well. And I've, I've seen attitudes, at least, in youth groups that have come up to help our church doing VBS. And I realized, these guys just came up for a little vacation. They just wanted to see Toronto. They had no interest in trying to really, they had no passion for trying to witness the kids. Now, we didn't have a real big outreach, but I remember some other people who've come up, and, man, we had small showings of people, but, and then sometimes great showings of people, but you saw the passion in the heart of people trying to uh, just connect. And uh, why? Because it's either looking for God's glory or looking for your glory. I really do believe. It starts with our, uh, that we, we need to really, even in our churches, make sure that our, that our, uh, our missions programs are ones that are founded on God's Word. Like I said, those things of clean water, you know, um, housing, uh, job opportunities, you know, offering those to people, people need that. And that's ministering, I believe, to the whole man. It's a noble thing to do that. But when you're talking about God's mission program through Jesus Christ in the Bible, that's not it. You know, I just can't help but uh, think of the, the rich man and Lazarus. We'd look at the rich man and think, oh, he's got everything going for him. And, uh, and, the, and the Lazarus, who is sick and poor and maybe even, uh, I'm sure, homeless, but at the same time, maybe no friends. And he goes to heaven. And it's, almost, and it's almost like, I'm not saying it is, but it's almost like it's okay. Because he's saved. The most important thing is that man Lazarus got saved. Now, if somebody could come and help him, you know, like the Good Samaritan, wonderful, that's great. But the most important thing is the man needed to be saved. And this is where the cross comes in. God-centeredness. God, in other words, God centering his attention upon himself creates a problem. 
But it also creates a solution. And that's the cross. The cross draws men to praise him for his mercy. See, this is something that we as humans have a a, a unique uh, uh, ability to experience that the angels who have not fallen, even the angels that have fallen, will never experience. We experience God's mercy. And Jesus said, if he be lifted up, all men shall be drawn unto him. See, this is, but what's the purpose? Again, the purpose is to bring glory to God. How does that happen? By men seeing God's mercy, the mercy at the cross. Jesus went to the cross to glorify the Heavenly Father. But the order cannot be missed. Preaching of the gospel is first to glorify God. I've heard, been told by many other, by older preachers that when you're preaching, you come to the pulpit not to please the people. You preach, you preach to please God. And if you, if you preach to please God, then that's good enough. Doesn't matter what the people say. I mean, that's exactly what God told to Jeremiah. That's, like, that's what he told to all his prophets. Don't look at their faces. Don't think of what, don't, don't even think of what they're saying. You just preach my word. Again, for God's glory. Missions is to display the glory, God's glory in his mercy to sinners. God's love and mercy is on display in sending missionaries. And so when we send missionaries, we're telling the world and we're uh, actually acting out before God that we believe in God's mercy to the world. Our part is to equip men to preach among the heathen God's call for mercy is at the cross. Paul says in Romans chapter 15, Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God, to confirm the promises made unto the fathers, and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. It is written, For this cause I will confess to thee among the Gentiles and sing unto thy name. For this cause we will, he's going to proclaim the gospel to the Gentiles. And glorify God. How is that going to happen? How are these Gentiles going to glorify God? Through the mercy that's being granted to them. God's looking for mercy. I'm sorry, God's looking for glory. Again, we have to wrap our head around that. And we really have to understand that He's worthy. He's worthy of that glory. Let's go, Lord, in prayer. Lord, we come before You. Thank You, Father, for uh, this church. Thank You, Father, for uh, what You're doing amongst us. And, uh, Father, I do even pray you forgive us if we've gotten our priorities out of, out of whack and we've been, uh, uh, involved maybe with so many other things and, but really, uh, not stopping to think what it's all about. And Lord, we just pray that you'd have your will in your way. Lord, with us as, uh, people, Willing to go to the mission field for your honor and glory. That we be willing to give for your honor and glory. That we be willing to pray and, and, and plead and do what we can, Lord. Uh, so that, again, so that your name will be proclaimed throughout your creation. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.